Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Man Talks podcast. My name is Roger Nairn, flying solo today as Connor Beaton is uh, down in the United States and across Canada, visiting all of our Man Talks communities, which uh, we're super excited to see is is just blowing up. Things are all over the place, and it is amazing. This week, we have a very special guest. His name is Nicholas Kuzmich. Nicholas is the preeminent leader in uh, Facebook and social media advertising. And we're super excited to have him on the show today to share with you his experience as an entrepreneur. You know, one of the really cool things about what he does is is he's he's really zeroed in on what makes him an expert. And I think there's a lot of you out there that are also in that same position in in either your career, in your, uh, in your business, um, or, or are thinking about going into business. And there's a lot you can learn from Nicholas because I think he has a, a lot to say about, you know, really uncovering what makes you special, what makes you the best in, in your industry, and and if you're not the best yet, what can get you to that position. So uh, we wanted to bring him on today to share with you uh, everything he knows. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nicholas Kuzmich. Hey, Nicholas, thanks so much for joining us on the Man Talks podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. Uh, before we get started, we like to always ask our guests the same question, and that is, can you share with us a defining moment for you? Yeah, geez. Uh, you know, when I was thinking about that, I, I realized that like my entire life is is really built around some of these defining moments. But one that I kind of bring up and I, and I think about here now is uh, I remember I was probably 17 years old at the time. Uh, Dad had just kind of under, uh, underwent a couple of heart attacks, which is, I mean, we spent a whole ton of time in hospital. Um, but it meant that him and my mother, who had a small convenience store as a small business, had to let that go because he could no longer work at it. So uh, here was my mother now, uh, probably late 40s, immigrant parent, who had to go out and try to find herself a job. And I, I, I don't forget, and I can't forget, that day that she came home literally crying, um, saying, I didn't get the job because I can't speak English properly. Um, and here's a woman now with no resume, you know, mid 40s or late 40s immigrant parent who's just trying to figure out her way. And here am I as an as an only child at 17 said, you know what, I'm going to make a commitment today. I'm going to make a vow to the world, if you will, that this conversation will never happen again, that I will take care of my parents as long as I can. I'll make sure that this woman never has to work another day in her life. Um, wow. And that kind of was the 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 beginning, if you will, the uh, the beginning of me trying to figure out this whole entrepreneurship game and, and, you know, really being motivated by what was the most important in my life versus, you know, just chasing things and, and shiny objects. Wow, that's unbelievable. And and I can imagine at, at that sort of age, you, you know, looking upon your parents who, are, you know, are supposed to be these powerful, uh, strong um you know the the most powerful and strong people in your lives and and all of a sudden they're struggling and it must have just had to have like lit something up in you to uh to do something about it so you know we always like to kind of give a little bit of a context around our guests to our listeners if they've never heard of you before so I'm wondering if you can kind of share with everyone what it is you do today you know what what is that entrepreneurship uh what does that entrepreneurship look like for you maybe a little bit around why you do it Sure, sure. Well, so, I mean, I think um, 
the, the truth of it is, and this is kind of the like esoteric answer, but the truth of it is like I help people have more significance and more certainty in their business. Uh, that's kind of the higher level of it. But I do that by means of running advertising campaigns that get them preeminent authority and exposure in their in their industries and then give them the certainty of never having to worry about where their next client or customer comes from. And so we do that by essentially understanding the world we live in today. And today, I think the, the terms social media and internet are kind of interchangeable. It is one and the same thing now. And so we do it by understanding uh, how people behave on social media, what they do uh, in social contexts. And then as business owners, how can we reach them, speak their language and begin a conversation with them that then allows them to, if and when the time is right, become a client and customer of ours. So we do that by means of having a, a Facebook agency, a uh, fully managed Facebook agency that runs campaigns for our clients, as well as a consultancy that teaches people how to do what we do. I love that. Uh, you know, so I really want to tuck into this because I think there's a lot of guys out there that sometimes struggle with defining, you know, what it is that they're an expert in. And, and you know, you, you are an expert in face, you know, Facebook and social advertising. And, and so what was it that got you to really drill down into it and, and, and say to yourself, I can be, I can be, a, you know, the preeminent leader in, in this field. I mean, I wish I could say I planned it and it was all intentional. Um, it became more intentional as the years went on. Um, but again, if we rewind all the way back to when I was 17, and I had to figure out what to do with my life and, and how to support my family. I mean, it kind of opened the door to this whole internet marketing world. Of course, I got sucked into a bunch of scams and things that didn't end up working out. Uh, but it did open my eyes to this this digital marketing, digital publishing world. And one thing led to another. And I told myself, like everybody else out there, that I'm going to be a marketing consultant and help businesses grow and that sort of thing. Uh, and that really led to nothing really fast. But I think it was right timing where I was a little too late to the Google AdWords game. And Google was the 800-pound gorilla in advertising at the time. I just heard about all these slaps that were going on. And I said, well, you know what? I want to avoid that for sure. And so I was looking for what was going to be the next big thing. And it just so happened that at that time, Facebook had released their advertising platform in beta, as did a company that I don't even know if it's around anymore, but a company called Plenty of Fish, which I think they sold their company to someone for a gazillion dollars. Yeah, um, actually here in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. And they both had really cool advertising platforms that uh, could reach a very targeted audience. And so I started playing with both. Obviously, Facebook took off in the way that it did. And so we doubled and tripled down on Facebook and said, this is going to be our thing. But it wasn't until... I was at an event where the host of the event basically asked how many people in this room uh, use Facebook to help grow their business. And about 80% of the hands went up. And then the second question was, well, how many of you have found Facebook ads to be profitable? And about 80% of the hands went down. Uh, and then I had a light bulb moment because for me, I thought, well, wait a second, I'm making Facebook ads profitable for me. Why isn't everybody else? And it was in that moment, in that room at that time that I stopped becoming a marketing consultant and made the intentional decision to uh, double and triple down on Facebook and say, I'm going to be a Facebook ad strategist type of person. Uh, and I focused my business on that. And now the guess, you know, as they say, the rest is history. Oh, totally. And I, I love the way you started this conversation because you said, you know, I, I'd love to say that it was something that I, like it, it, to me, it was, it was very, for you, it seems like it's very, very organic. And I, and I think there's a lot of guys out there that are, that are struggling to like, you know, they cut, you know, they'll, they'll go to a coffee shop and they'll write out all these things that they could possibly be an expert in. And, 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 right. and there's so much stress and anxiety around figuring out what that perfect thing is. But the reality is, is you just got to kind of 
keep doing what you're doing and, and something's going to kind of bubble up to the, to the surface. I, I, am I right? Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of taking uh, you know, I'm not a necessarily a big fan of like, follow your passion per se, because if I took that advice, I had no idea what I would be doing, but I think it was a combination for me where I identified, you know, I looked at my background. So I kind of looked at the fruit of my life and I saw, well, I was somehow led into this online digital marketing thing. And I had read tons of books and experienced a ton of thing in that area. Um, so that was one thing. I look back on that. Secondly, I identified a, a significant issue in the marketplace by means of what people were saying. And then thirdly, remember, an expert is only defined as someone who's smarter than you are in that process. And so at that time, I wasn't you know, at the level I was today, but I was smarter than most of the people in the room with Facebook. And so I just kind of took advantage of, of that perfect storm of history, of interest, of marketplace, um, desire, and the fact that I was just a little bit ahead of the people that I wanted to help. Um, and again, it led to uh, this path. I mean, again, and let's just, I mean, the reality is I don't wake up every morning drooling about Facebook ads and, and thinking this is the, I've made it, this is the way to go. But I have a skill set that I feel can really help people. And through that skill set, I'm able to get people's messages out to the world. And that's really what keeps me going every day. Awesome. And you know what? I have to, I have to ask you this question, I, you know, doing a little bit of research about you, you used to be a pastor. I did, in fact, yes, and, for 14 then, years. Wow. And, and I'm curious what, you know, what led you to that? And, and then what, you know, why did you stop? Yeah. So, I mean, very early on in my age, I felt like I had a sense of calling or destiny or or whatever, however you want to term it. Um, you know, if we rewind even further, I was told that my mother couldn't have children. Um, she tried and tried and tried. She couldn't. At one point, she went to see a pastor of a Pentecostal church who prayed for her. And supposedly that's what, uh, you know, conceived me. And I'm, again, an only child. She couldn't have any kids before and or after me. I don't know if because of her telling me that story when I was young or just a sense of calling deep within, um, but I felt like I was called to do something for the planet. And my narrative at the time told me that the best way I could do that was through my faith practice. Um, mm -hmm. So very early on, I made the decision early in high school that this is what I wanted to do. So at 17, I kind of fast-tracked and graduated high school. I went to Bible school. I did a four-year uh, degree in two. Um, I became ordained when I was 19, and I started a church and have been kind of pastoring ever since then. Um, because I felt this was my way to kind of contribute to the world and society. Now, of course, going through the experience, I think being a pastor is one of the most uh, ruthless, you know, difficult jobs or careers. And what keeps me, who, what kept me going for so long was the fact that I felt it was more of a calling than a career. Um, but again, there's just some things that, that my eyes were open to inside the institution that I wasn't a fan of. I went in there hoping that I could make change and, and, you know, bring positive impact. And I realized that it's very hard to, to fight the institution. And sometimes the institution, not all the time, but sometimes it does more harm than good. Um, and through, you know, lots of racking my brain and, and tearful and thoughtful, you know, contemplations, I decided that if I was going to reach the people I wanted to reach, that this wasn't going to be the means for me to do it. And so I had to make that hard decision of stepping away several years ago from that specific vocation. But but it's interesting. I'm seeing a bit of a connection there in that you seem to have a gift of, of bringing out the best in people, zeroing in on you know what makes them great and, and shining a light on that and bringing out the best in them. Am I, am I wrong or is that, is that something that uh, you've always been good at? 
Uh, I definitely like to think so. I mean, I always do give people benefit, the benefit of the doubt, and I'm always trying to see how the world can be made better through people. I think it's the only way it can be. Uh, so I am looking out at that sometimes uh, in full honesty. Um, I have some setbacks, and I'm like, man, what are we doing as a human race? But no, I try. I definitely try. And, and again, I, I never thought of this until you brought it up. But um, you know, maybe that is part of a driving force of what keeps us going to do what we do now. Hmm. So let's, I mean, let's talk about some of the, the what you're doing with, uh, you know, in the, in the social world. You know, I love this idea of the channel effect that you talk about, you know, how do you create preeminence in your marketplace? Uh, because I, I think people constantly struggle. With I, I work in, in, in the advertising world for an agency and, and we're always trying to define, you know, define our clients and trying to get them to stand out in the market. But, you know, let's take, let's take individuals, for example, if they have an individual, you know, if they have an individual based, uh, you know, sort of personal brand that they need to be, um, you know, raising awareness about, what's, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, well, I think I think it's you know I I think I may define marketing differently than most others. Uh, most people are thinking promotions, or they're thinking sequences, or they're thinking copy and headlines and all that kind of stuff that we're taught in in that space. Um, to me, marketing is nothing more than establishing preeminent positioning in your marketplace and then reinforcing that day in and day out. Because to me. Good marketing negates the need for good sales or anything else for that matter. If you are perceived in your marketplace as the authority of what you are doing, you almost don't need to market because people tend will have the tendency to naturally be drawn to you and asked to do business with you. And you'll literally have people, as in our case, you know, waiting around the block or looking to work with you and not having to push too hard on people, you know, what it is that you do. Now, how do you accomplish that? I think there's many different ways. For us, it's, it's you know, the old Drake song says started from the bottom and now we're here. Uh, I, I decided to kind of bypass the working up the corporate ladder. And I figured my fastest way to establish preeminent positioning in my marketplace and to grow my business was not to start from the bottom, but to go to straight to the top. And what I mean by that is I, I realized I could help people with the skill set that I have. I'm going to go after, I'm going to create a, a dream client list. These are people who were considered heroes to me, people who I had read their books and followed them in various ways. And I thought these were the guys that, you know, are really making differences in the world. Uh, so I made that list. And then I said, well, let's just go after them. Let's let's go after them. Let's make them an offer they can't refuse. And I know that if I can over deliver on any promises that I make, that it would open me up to a world, you know, that I could only dream of. And, and that was the short of it. And I basically reached out to to uh, people on my my dream client list. And of them, I made them this offer. I said, look, this is what I do. This is how I feel like I can help you. And these are my costs. Now, I know that you may not be able to you know, identify me uh, apart from Adam. So here's the deal. I will do this work for you and you only pay me if and when you get a result. If you do not get the result that you're looking for, then no loss to you, uh, no loss to me. We all walk away, friends, kind of thing. Yeah, no risk, essentially. Um, so I put myself up in the corner uh, and I had two people on that list respond and said, let's go at it. So I was in a, in a tough place uh, and I had to really deliver here because this was kind of a make or break moment for me. Uh, fortunately, not only did we hit a home run, I felt like we hit some great grand slams for them. And that almost overnight, I mean, you know, t four years in the making, but it was almost overnight instantly catapulted my credibility, my authority. They went on to tell all their friends. And now people, it's an amazing experience when people who are once your heroes then become, you know, 
clients and then become colleagues, then become friends and then become students. Um, it's just a fascinating journey to see how, how all that went. But that was my story. I just I kind of knew where I wanted to go. I, I decided not to work up the conventional way. Um, and, the, but, but and I can I can imagine that there's probably some guys that are sitting out there listening to this this episode right now that are saying to themselves, well, you know, you're asking me to kind of leapfrog and, and go straight to the top, but I'm I'm not at the top. I don't, I don't have the skills to be at the top. I, I, and frankly, I'm afraid to be at the top because, you know, I'm, I'm going to put myself on the line and I don't know if it's going to work. Sort of how, how do you get over that inferiority, inferiority and, and, and frankly, just straight fear? Like they must be shitting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Dan Sullivan has this great quote and he says, entrepreneurship is nothing more than first establishing confidence and then maintaining it. Um, and I found that to be true. So, so for me, you know, maybe I had the innate confidence to say, let's go for the top and make this happen. I mean, granted, I was fearful and I, and I knew if I didn't make this work, I could be screwed, but maybe it was just this kind of gung ho mentality for the person who may not have that. I think the, the opposite is true. It's, it's go just enough outside of your comfort zone, help the person that you know, you can help for no other reason than to build your own confidence. Cause I think confidence comes from results. But is that faking it to make it? Uh, no, because you're actually literally going after people that you know you can help. So rather than going for the top, I'd say go after the people that you know you can help, get the results and build your confidence. And then once you build your confidence, go a little bit harder, go a little bit higher, reach a little bit farther. Because if that gap is too big between you know where you're at and who you really want to work with, I totally get that. I think the real practice here in building the business is building your own personal confidence to the point where you could have a conversation with anybody in the world and say, yes, I can help you and not be afraid that if they walk away saying, I don't want to do business with you, you're not going to be hurt by that. That's the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is, is not only is it, a, is it a business venture, but it's also a, a, a personal endeavor. Uh, a, a, you know, a, a, it's its own little you know, personal development uh, program built right in. Yeah, well, I think I think it's more personal than it is business. In fact, I mean, uh, it, it's I, and, and and I say this kind of half tongue in cheek, but I almost don't wish entrepreneurship upon anybody. Right. I mean, you, you you're need, not the first person who said that on this show. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so then, so then I'm not alone. I mean, I, I think you need to be cut from a certain cloth, and I think you need to do away with these like pitchy, shiny object messages of like, hey, if you're just going to be an entrepreneur, it's going to be all like, you know, unicorns and cotton candy, and you're going to be a gazillionaire and live the freedom life that you want to live like it, it the reality that is not the reality yeah um i think we, one of our guests uh jonathan becker who who owns a, a digital agency he he said um it was the best decision he's ever made and it was the worst decision he's ever made <laughs> and he's like frankly i i don't know if it's for everyone and i wouldn't wish it upon my best friend in some cases yeah no i agree 100 percent. i mean and don't get me wrong i'm grateful for the fact that we have this thing called entrepreneurship because it's built the lifestyle that i have right now and and i'm able to do the work that I do. So I don't, I don't take away from it, but I just, at the same time, I want to push against some of this like faulty premise that it's the end all be all answer for anybody who's just kind of tired of working the nine to five. Sometimes that nine to five will pay your bills better and give you more freedom than, than the entrepreneurship journey will. So the, um, the sort of, uh, uh, formula you just talked about is, is that essentially what you call the, the rapid scaling matrix? Oh uh, no. So the rapid scaling 
matrix for me is is kind of identifying first that. It, so it's it's how do we first establish preeminent positioning in in, in your marketplace, um, and then based on that, how do we reinforce that over and over again through advertising? And so, you know, my, I believe that there's two golden rules of online marketing. Golden rule number one is always give before you ask, and rule number two is make every step of your marketing process beneficial and valuable in and of itself to the point where even if someone chooses not to transact with you, they still walk away from that experience saying, I've learned something or I've benefited something from this. And so when you say always give before you ask uh, in an advertising context, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be kind of geeking out here for the guy, for people that aren't in the in the sure. industry. You know, are are you referring to just straight content, like giving people valuable content first, and and then and then having the uh, the sale uh, attached to it, or is it sort of native? Uh, like, what's your idea of of that? Yeah, well, I think I think content is definitely a play. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, how we see it is, how can you provide solutions to problems without you know putting a transactional thing in between first? So sometimes, I, well, most of the time that takes form of content. So if you have some really good content that can help move the needle for some people, sometimes that's an experiential experience. Sometimes it's offering a service like I did before you get paid for it, whatever it be. I think at the end of the day, especially in today's kind of social world where there's so many charlatans and people hiding behind landing pages and websites, what's going to set you apart in today's day and age is one, authenticity and to stop using the jargon, slang, happy, hypey words. Um, so just being true to who you are and leading with narrative and story as opposed to benefits and features. And then secondly, your ability to give without restraint, give without attaching an outcome or a desired outcome to that, to give and to help bring solutions to people. And I think the more you can do that, the more you start to set yourself apart as a true market leader. And it's a long game play. I get it. But when, once you do that, people start to uh, to recognize you as a leader and they'll come to you and and give you probably more than you ask them of. So it's a, it's a weird cycle, but it works well. So if you're listening out there and and you, and you have a business that uh that, that you're looking to take to the next level, you know, let, let's take Nicholas's uh f- feedback there and think about what's one thing that I could give away uh you know or, or give to my community without uh, expecting anything in return. You know, if you're a, a personal trainer, maybe it's a bit of a a a diet regimen or if you're a uh you know, if you're a a makeup artist, maybe it's some some tools and tips around um you know, the styles for the the holiday season or whatnot. Um, I'm sure we have lots of makeup artists listening to the show. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So, uh, you know, I love this idea of, of, of entrepreneurship and, and, and building your business. And I'm curious, what's been some of the, the biggest lessons you've learned along the way? Oh, wow. Uh, there's tons. I think I think who you choose to work with. Now, that could be employees. It could be partners. It could be strategic partners. It could be, um, you know, just people in your circle. I have found that that has been the greatest, uh, like, needle mover for me by far, hands down, bar none. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, and I think Jason Gaynor says this, you know, at the end of the day, you can take everything away from me. And all I have left is my integrity and my relationships. And I took that to heart. So for me, it's it's definitely been 
understanding who to connect with, who to associate with, realizing that business goes beyond the transaction and is really about the person at the end of the day. Uh, For me, a big lesson was understanding that people are not a means to an end, that people are in fact the end. You know, that that wasn't a lesson that I had learned early on. It it took me a while to understand that. But yeah, at the the end of the day, I I realized, you know, we're people and we want to connect with people. Um, People always ask me, you know, will it work for B2C or, or will it work for B2B? And I'm like, you know what, at the end of the day, it's H to H, it's humans to humans. And if you can understand that dynamic and inject that into the core of your business and your transactions and your marketing and everything else that you do, um, I think you'll be just kind of a step ahead of everybody else. Can you let, let's unpack that a little bit more? I think what you just said is absolutely incredible. You know, people are not a means to the end; they they are the end. Yeah. What's you know what's what's the average person have to do to bring more of that in their life? Because you know you, you know you are right. Jace, Jason Gaynard does it does a great job of talking about what can I do to help you first and. Right. You know, Adam Grant's written a great book called Give and Take, and and um, this whole idea of of giving is something that not everyone's practicing, but I feel like is so important in not only business, but just life in general. Yeah. Yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah. Well, for me, how how it happened was, I mean, I'd surround myself with overachievers. And on the one hand, that's a good thing. And everyone says, you know, you're the summary of the five people you hang out with the most, which I don't actually agree to be true. Uh, And we can unpack that one if we want to as well. But for me, I was like surrounding myself with overachievers, which meant that I was kind of in scale mode. Everything was about growth and building my business and comparing my business to your business. And which essentially led to putting up these visions and these boards and these goals of where I wanted to be as a person and where I want my business to be. And the problem was I had my eyes so fixed on the goal that every conversation I had with any human being was, in my mind anyways, was, can you help me get there closer? If yes, how can I use you to do that? Or no, I can't help you get there closer than get the hell out of my way. That was essentially kind of how and I, I disguised it as I'm growth minded. I'm single focused. I got my blinders on and I realized I kind of hurt people along the way. Uh, whether it means I didn't put their needs, you know, before mine, whether it meant that I probably engaged in business with someone or took on a client that I may not should have. But again, I saw the dollar signs and not the person behind it. Um, and then I just, I just, I don't know what specifically happened, but a click went off in my head to say, you know what, you just, you can't do this anymore. And now, you know, a, just kind of unpacking it for me, a, it's realizing, especially if, if, if we're talking about client work, for example, that a, I will only take on a client if I know with a hundred percent certainty that I can help them. That doesn't mean I always can, or it always ends up that way. And in the few situations where I can't, I'm known as the guy to give everyone's money back and say, look, I am sorry. Um, this didn't work out the way that I thought it might, but you shouldn't be penalized for that. So although it took my team's effort and time and resources, and it cost me X number of dollars to do this, I'm still giving you all your money back. I think my mindset now is how can I be the most referable person that people know? Um, And I think the only way to do that is regardless of their experience with you. And by that, I mean like their actual results from working together with you. Even if their experience as a human to human level was good with you, they'll still be the person to refer you. And so I just kind of keep that in the back of my mind. It's how can I be the most referable people person that people know? And the only way I know how to do that is to put people first, um, profit second. Um, and then by doing that again, we just established some, some good relationships with people and relationships last way longer than anything else. So, uh, that's how it's kind of played out in my life. People first, profit second. If, if only, uh, if only the vast majority of, of companies could, could do that, that, 
you know, world, the world would be a, a definitely a better, a better place. Well, and I think it stems from understanding, and this is kind of another deeper topic that we don't necessarily have to delve into, but we might have to do a second show. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was just realizing like, when is enough enough? And when I realized that, you know, uh, my standard of enough, and of course that always changes and I'm not judging anybody, but when I just realized like, look, enough is enough, then all of a sudden you have that breathing space to say, well, it's not about the dollar now because I don't necessarily need that other dollar. Now I can put you in front. And when I just kind of reevaluated and, and answer that question for myself, when is enough enough, everything kind of changed for me. Mm, love that. So Nicholas, uh, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of, uh, of this interview and, uh, we really, so really fast. appreciate all the, I know all the incredible, uh, valuable information that you're giving us, but we always like to, you know, sort of end the show with a little bit of a rapid fire question situation. I'm wondering if you're, you're up for that. Yeah, let's do it. So first question is, what is your favorite part about being a man? Oh, gee, uh, now, and this has changed only because um, I've just recently, you know, we gave birth to our first uh, child, our daughter, oh, about nine, 10 weeks ago. Um, that awesome. by being a father, by far, hands down, is the most rewarding experience I've ever experienced in my life. Very cool. Love that. Congratulations. Thank you. And what is the what is the biggest challenge about being a man? Um... I think maybe it has a lot to do with like living up to the stereotypes. I mean, of course, I think there are roles that men play and, and, and women play and other people play. Uh, but I find, and, and I don't know if I'm allowed to use this kind of language, but I find like being a man, there's a lot of dick measuring that happens every time you go out and hang out with people. Totally. Um, and so for me, I think the biggest challenge and still working on overcoming that is just realizing like, look, we're, we're not measured, <laughs> pardon the analogy, I'm taking it far, but we're not really who we are by the size of our dick. I mean, it's, it's, I am who I am and just being authentic to myself um, despite what the rest of the world tells me I need to be has been the biggest challenge and something I'm working on on definitely overcoming. Awesome. Uh, in your opinion, who is the most influential person of all time? Oh, geez. Uh, well, so I would have to define it in, in my world. Um, in my world, it was probably my father. I mean, there were, he passed in 2005, uh, when I was only 19 or 20 or something like that, 21, something like that. But he taught me what it meant to love unconditionally. And I think, although not people, not too many people knew his name, I made, made another vow to myself that I will kind of continue his, his legacy by knowing what it means to kind of continue to love unconditionally and have his message to kind of live throughout through me. So, so again, the world won't know who he is, but by far to me, the most influential person, the most kind of powerful person was my father. Love that. What is the most underrated trait for modern day success? I don't know if it's so underrated anymore, but I think now it's that authenticity. I think we're coming out of a time where like the hypey headlines and the, hey, look at me, I drive 10 Lambos, you want to be like me, like that time is coming to an end, thankfully. Um, and we're back in the day, authentic authenticity was seen as a weakness. I think right now it is actually going to be one's greatest strength as an entrepreneur. Mm, love that. All right. What is something everyone should experience at least once? I'm going to be a little materialistic on this one uh, outside of being a parent. And that's just because it's fresh to me. Um, but on our one year anniversary, my wife and I uh, went to Bora Bora and it was the most brilliant, beautiful experience mm. um, that we've ever had together. Did you do those 
you do those little hotel rooms that are like kind of like floating on the water? Absolutely. So yeah, the, the overwater bungalows, make sure you get the ones with panoramic views, which, which means it's the farthest walk because it's the one on the very end. Um, but the experience out there was fantastic and we'll do it many times over. I think everybody needs to experience that. All right. Uh, what is your favorite book? And, and essentially, if you were to be on a desert island, what one book would you take with you? Oh, that's such a good question. Well, so here's the reality. I don't read books anymore. But I do on occasion may read one depending on the situation that I'm in to see if it was really helpful for me. Um, I don't know why this one comes to mind for for whatever reason. So we'll just go with it. Uh, several years ago, I read Austin Kleon's Steal uh, Like an Artist um, awesome. and, sh- and Show Your Work. And those those kind of, for whatever reason, made me feel real good inside and made me want to do better things with my business. Super cool. And actually, a really cool little tip for everyone out there. If you sign up on Austin Cleon's website to his uh, email list, every Friday you get an awesome, awesome uh, email from him where he kind of just summarizes seven cool things that he's sort of gotten, you know, that he's, that he's either read during the week or, or a movie he's watched or a book he's read. And huh. it's super amazing, cool stuff that, you know, you don't find anywhere else. Just a little side, side tip there. Good to know. I'm going to do that as soon as we get off. Awesome. Uh, and then the final question is, uh, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? Uh, uh, such a good question. Um, you know, early on in my life, uh, I, I was a dreamer. Um, and I think, and this is not for everybody again, but for me, like having the dreams actually led to going through a series of depression and and not knowing if it was worth living anymore. And so um, I tend not to dream anymore from the sense of like these big aspirational dreams. I try to kind of narrow it down and make make life about the moment. So if 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 people if I well let's say it this way, if people were to come to my my funeral, I would want them to say that kind of he loved well, um, he was happy and joyful, uh, and he was a good you know father and husband. I think if if anything, that's what I want to be remembered for. Lovely, lovely. Uh, what's the one thing that you are most excited about these days that you want everyone in, in the Mantox community to know about? Uh, you know what? I just think, and, and I'm, a, I'm very passionate about this now, and, and part of it is because of what I do. I think the reality is if you're living in today's day and age and you are a business owner with the technology that's before us and stuff like Facebook that's, that, that's before us, there is no reason that any entrepreneur should ever doubt where their next client or customer should come from. You have the skill set and the technology before us to be able to make some really, really impactful change uh, through your work. So commit to that. Commit to don't chase the shiny objects, but commit to saying, how can I get my message out there using the technology and the knowledge that's before us? Um, I think that will serve everybody well. Awesome. And for anyone out there that wants to learn more about you, maybe uh, get in touch, reach out, say hi. What's the best way that they can do that? Yeah. Uh, well, Facebook, I'm there. I kind of live on Facebook and I'm one of the few people who can say I do that because of my work. <laughs> so you can say if you weren't on Facebook, that'd be a problem. Yeah, exactly. So and well, so uh, Nicholas Kuzmich, I'm the only Nicholas Kuzmich on the planet. So it'd be very easy to find me there. Um, I have a great Facebook group called Facebook Marketing Mastery. Uh, that's where I spend a lot of time kind of serving my community. That's kind of my tribe. And uh, of course, my website, nicholaskuzmich.com. It just kind of talks about what I'm doing. There's not too much stuff on there, but those are three easiest ways to connect with me and to reach out to me. Very cool. Very cool. Um, guys out there, you know, go check out Nicholas's uh, site, learn more about him, go to the Facebook page. You all know that there's more you could be doing when it comes to scaling your business online and, and, and bringing in more customers. And, and he is the best in the world at doing that. So go check him out. Uh, if you want to learn more about Mantox, you can go to the Mantox website, mantox.com. 
uh, listen to more podcasts, read more of our blog posts, uh, see all the information about the incredible events that are coming up. Please subscribe to iTunes or wherever your uh, podcasts are sold. Uh, download and, and listen to it so that you never miss a, that you never miss an episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another interview as we build better men through conversation, connection, and community together. 